there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Morenita, a deep dive into the Latinx experience. With Morenita, we want to create a community and a shared space with you while sharing knowledge and inspiration. This show is about celebrating our culture with guests who exemplify the best of us. I'm Darylin Castillo, y te invito. Luis Herrera is a Venezuelan-born chef working in New York City who has worked at top restaurants throughout the city, including the Michelin-starred Cosme and the Brooklyn restaurant Casa Ora. Luis has an incredible story to share about his journey from Venezuela to the top kitchens in New York City, and he cracked me up while telling me about it. Luis, Luis, welcome to Morenita. We are so excited to have you on here. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and I'm going to be fangirling over you because your Munchies video on Arepas is epic. Nice. And um, my Thank boyfriend so is Colombian, so um, he loves Arepas, yeah. everything Arepas. And yeah. he's like, when we were watching that video, we just watch it over and over again because we just love food and his dad's a chef actually so um we cook a lot we cook a lot in the house but we are big fans <laughs> thank you so much yeah we actually i mean this that's funny that she's colombian because i think i think i said in the i don't know if i don't remember but i think i said in the video that actually venezuelan arepas are better than colombians or something you like did that. <laughs> you did say that that he, was some fighting was, words was he mad was he mad <laughs> <laughs> he was a little mad, you know. You know how you know how Colombians are with their arepas. You know, I'm yeah. Dominican, so you know, yeah. arepas is not really a thing yeah, for us. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's. I mean, it's more... it, honestly, I think it's just uh, Colombians do it so so differently. They just like usually they just put the filling on top, which for me doesn't make sense. Because you're. I, agree. you're... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. But listen, um, we love it. It all yeah. tastes good. It yeah, all tastes good. Yeah, it all tastes good. good. It all tastes great. Colombians, they have another type of arepa called arepa de choclo, which uh, is made with sweet corn instead of the flour. Yes, yeah, so dulce. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's sweeter. We have a version of that, but it's called cachapa. I don't know if you ever tried cachapas, which also I love. I um, it's, it's basically an arepa de choclo, but it's bigger. 
you do it on the plancha and then you usually fill it with cheese, some pernil or pork or something uh, like that. And then you fold it in half, uh, you know, and then you just put it a lot of butter on top. Oh, um, so good. I know, um, I know my producer Carlos right now is uh, very hungry, so I'm going yeah. to, uh, put him out of his misery. Cachapas. <laughs> I love him. I love, I love cachapas even more than arepas. I but just, yeah, I, I just, mean, yeah. That video was interesting. Like, I mean, I was very nervous that that day. It was the first time I ever did something like that. And then all the producers for Ide, which is the chef of Al Monchi's, uh, they all like. Yep. It's like, don't worry, you just, just you know, just fuck up whatever you want to do. We're gonna make you look good no matter what. <laughs> you know, we're gonna we're, we're gonna just edit be yourself. Yeah, just be yourself. That's what we have editing for. Yes. Yeah, and we had. An, I mean, at the end, it was great. We had a nice conversation. Uh, the back and forth was great. The love the arepas. Uh, it was like pre-pandemic, which you know, made everything like a little weird. It was like two days before like lockdown actually yeah. happened. Um, so everybody was a little freaked out about, you know, like, do we like shake hands? Do we hug? Uh, Awkward. You know, like we didn't <laughs> even know like what what's a mask, you know, even like. Right. Um, but at the end, like everybody was like, okay, let's bring it in. Let's everybody hug. It was great. It was fun. Yeah. And you're like, and you're funny. You know that, right? <laughs> You're, you're funny. You're a comedian a little bit. He was like, oh, don't forget to take the ring off, you guys. And then you were like, I've gotten in trouble for that one before. I said, Louise. Yeah, I actually and also, if you have the ring when you're shaping the arepas, you actually leave a dent on them, which is not ideal. Yeah. So that's another reason to say your ring off. I don't have See, it guys, anymore. So. Bueno. We don't have to talk about that if you want <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to, we can. Anywho, um, Luis, I am like, I am just fascinated by your story. Can you tell me like, what, how did you become who you are? What made you love food and become, want to become a chef? Uh, I mean, that's a very good question, which I'm not really sure mm. to this day still, you know, why, what, like what made me become a chef? I'm actually a mechanical engineer. Um, oh. I, I grew up between Spain and Venezuela. Mom, Where in Spain? Uh, we were moving around a lot. Uh, so, okay. uh, we lived in Bilbao for a year. We lived in Mallorca. Mm -hmm. Mallorca. Uh, Beautiful. we live in the, the town we live the most is this small town called Salamanca, like two hours Northwest from Madrid, very small town. Um, a lot of old people, but you can walk the whole city in like 30 minutes, you know, from like top to bottom. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. Most of my family on my mom's side are Italian also. Okay. So I have a lot of like European background, um, but I, I finished high school in Venezuela and then mm -hmm. I went to college in Venezuela for mechanical engineer. Both of my parents are uh, physicists. They're very like, you know, they're, oh. they've been uh, professors uh, in the university their whole lives are retired now, but they still do like research and all that. Hmm. So I grew up in a very like academic household. Me and my brother were very good in math and all physics and all that. Are you the older brother or the younger brother? I'm the older brother. My my brother okay. my brother is a, is a year younger than me. But we we always we were very close. We're still very close. So I'm, and he's actually a civil engineer. He stuck to that. I didn't. So the thing is that when I went to school, I mean I was very good at math and all that when I was a kid. And I thought like, okay, I want to make I love, I actually like, uh, you know, science and all that, but I want to make something that it's more applied, like you can like actually use it. It's not just like numbers and math. So it's like, okay, let's do engineering. I, st I did the career. I liked it. I got a bachelor in it, but as soon as I graduated, I was like, damn, I don't really want to, you know, be stuck in an office working nine to five. That's not my thing. What do I do? And I remember mm. my father always, my, my father was the one that always cooked at the house and I always used to help really? him. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, he was okay. a cook. My mom is my mom is very good with desserts. I remember he he used to do like you know all the birthday cakes, all the cookies, all that. Uh, but my dad actually do did like the day to day cooking. And I remember Sunday mm. Sundays there was always like something more special. He bought like squab or duck or like risotto or whatever. And they were like foodies. They would they used to go out to eat a lot. So yeah, I had that that experience very young. And I I, I kind of like fell in love with restaurants, like going out to eat trying different things and all that. Uh, but I, I mean, to that point, I, I actually, I, I honestly, I never really thought that being a chef or a cook could actually be something you do for a living, you know? Right. It sounds like it was a happy accident. Yeah. As I mean, we say. There weren't, they weren't <laughs> like this, like all these shows, like all these reality shows that you see now, like Chop. Yeah. Master Chef and all that. that mm-hmm. like or, or like Chef Table. Now, you now like people can really see what goes on inside of the kitchens you know like it's very very, it's very mainstream right now it wasn't still at that time so what was the um what was the the shift for you el cambio what what was that moment for you Um, where you were like i mean i'm gonna do this so i mean it's, it's kind of complicated but i'm gonna try to make it short i was like while i was in college i was a graffiti writer as well and I was actually, okay. yeah, I was actually making a living out of that because uh, we were hmm. doing like murals for like, you know, private commissions and all that. Uh, and I did that for like three years. We were, we were making good money. I was like, you know, working with my friends. It was, it was, it was great. It was a great phase uh, when that, but that stopped all of a sudden, basically mainly because of the situation the country was getting into politically and mm. all that. Um, and I had to look for a job. I, I had already graduated and I was looking for a job as a mechanical engineer and mm. I, I couldn't get any cause it's been, it, it had been probably like a year and a half, two years since I graduated and everybody th- that I applied for were like, okay, you've been graduated for two years and you haven't worked as an engineer at all. Like, where is your experience? Mm. And I was like, well, like if you don't hire me, I'm never going to get any experience, you know, like right. I'm just getting started. So nobody would hire me. I think at the end of the day, it was a blessing. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there. I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. 
tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I ended up getting this shitty job as a telemarketer. Like, you know, like uh, selling like English online online English courses. Uh, mm. It was called Open English. It was actually very famous in Venezuela. And I worked there for a whole year. I hated it so much. And during that year, I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this. Uh, the pay wasn't bad. And I just like, okay, what can I do? Like, I need to figure something out, you know? Uh, and I just like thought about cooking. There's, there's a very good culinary school in Venezuela that is the, the one I always wanted to go called SEGA. Uh, mm-hmm. Centro de Estudios Gastronomicos, and it's it was a school that specialized in Venezuelan cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really caught my attention because, like I was saying before, I didn't really grow up eating like Venezuelan food. Venezuelan food, yeah. My house, I mean, we had, we made arepas on the weekends, you know, or some dinners and some that, and there was like little recipe here and there. Uh, but my dad didn't really cook Venezuelan, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Neither my grandma, which we used to go on the weekends to have, you know, to eat lunch. She was very Italian. Very multicultural, interesting, and then you, yeah. So I was really interested in it, and I was like, okay, if I'm gonna do something about it, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be through Venezuelan cuisine because I really wanna, mm. like, I'm really interested in it. I wanna learn more about these roots. Uh, there was, there's not that many documentation about Venezuelan cuisine either. Um, so I just like saved some money with this shitty job, and I quit uh, like a day before I actually came to New York for the first time. Cause I was gonna. Work. Oh, so I quit. Uh, uh, before I quit, I was. I started doing these like uh, uh, cooking courses during the weekends in the same uh-huh. school. Just like basic, you know, cooking. Just like sauces. It was very French. Um, okay. And like then, the typical chef, the typical school. Yeah, yeah. Cooking just school. How to do brunoise? How to do julienne? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you know, creme sauce and all that. You're like casual. Yeah, which, I mean, which is very necessary. It's very necessary. You know, you need to have that base. The skill. And then I quit. That, that those courses ended and I came to New York summer 2012 for my first kitchen job which, which was actually at Caracas Arepa Bar uh, which is an arepera they have one in Brooklyn but I, came, I went to work they open in Rockaway Beach every summer Rockaway Beach yeah so I arrived there it was July 2012 uh, at this crazy job and that was your first time in New York that was my first time in New York what was your reaction? I mean, I thought I, it was weird because I was like, is this New York? Like, is Rockaway New York? Because I, <laughs> I, you know, I came, I, came, I came to JFK straight to Rockaway, which is like right there. That's so true. So you got a whole different introduction. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? So let me rephrase that. What was your, what was your, uh, what was your reaction to Rockaway? <laughs> I, I, it was, it was crazy. It was so busy. It was like I. The next day I got there, I started working first time in the kitchen, like professionally, you know, hmm. making like fifteen hundred arepas per day, wow. uh, something like that. You see, I, 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 I had this flash. I used to watch Baywatch, so I was like biking through the boardwalk to get to work. And the beach, it was like 9 a.m. I was already like packed with people. You remember like the intro of Baywatch where like yes. you like see the like long beach like packed? It felt like that. This is United States. <laughs> you were like America, so, yes. So, so American, yeah. <laughs> 
And then, I, I mean, it was, it was a crazy experience because, I mean, I love, I love Caracas Airport Bar, but in that case, the volume and the amount. Mm. I really learned how to like manage just like huge amounts of food, you know? Yeah, different skill. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was so busy every day. Yeah, because Americans eat a lot also. Yeah. I mean, and there, there was like not many <laughs> options in Rockaway, you know? Like really, like, uh, you, you go, have you been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. So, yeah. I've been to Rockaway. Yeah. Yes. So, you, I mean, you grew up here in New York? Where do you grow up? Yeah, yeah. I grew up here. I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in Washington Heights. But, you know, Rockaway Beach is a Rockaway Beach is a very uh, New York place for people right? just to go visit. Yeah. Everybody knows Rockaway Beach. Tell me about your journey, um, your journey with food and your journey to becoming, you know, obviously um, a head chef. Yeah. After that, I knew there was no way back, you know. Uh, so hmm. I came back. I, I worked that summer. I met that summer. I met my ex-wife. Now ex-wife. Mm -hmm. I met my wife. Now ex-wife. And I just I was just planning to come for the, for the summer, honestly. And I, we, I met her. And I left after the summer was over to Venezuela for a month, and then I just came back again. So, my, but my plan was was to start school the next year in Venezuela. Uh, right. So I just came, worked for a little bit. I worked in different restaurants in Brooklyn. I gained more experience. Came back to Venezuela for a whole year to go to culinary school. Uh, mm -hmm. We had, you know, this long distance relationship in the meantime. Uh, you know, I, I would come here for when I could during the, during the summer. She would go there every two or three months. Uh, and then I did this internship, which I think that was like a, you know, uh, like a before and after. I did an internship uh, in a restaurant in Venezuela called Alto by Carlos Garcia. Carlos Garcia for me is the okay. best chef in Venezuela. At the time, that restaurant was in the 50 best restaurants in Latin America list. Uh, yeah. I think it was 17 or something like that. But wow. he, he is one of the first, I mean, there's a few people, but he was a, the better known, I would say, globally, that took Venezuelan food to a fine dining standard. Uh, mm. You know, he, he's Venezuelan, but I think his parents are from Spain. So he actually went to culinary school in Barcelona, in Catalonia. Okay. So he went when he came back to Venezuela, he was actually cooking Spanish food. He was cooking like, hmm. you know, uh, it was like Catalana, co Cocina Catalana. Uh, yeah. And he did it for like two or three years. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden he shifted. He's like, I want to do Venezuelan food now. Hmm. That was probably 2010, you know, 2011. And he started doing these like traditional recipes uh, but like, you know, taken up, the, the, he took it up a notch and the presentation, right, yeah, the presentation mm -hmm. was way different. Uh, I remember like the, the, probably the, the dish I remember the most is like anchovy pasta. So did Carlos, did he inspire you? Was he a part of your inspiration, um, and you moving forward to being, I think he was the door for me to really see what Venezuelan cuisine could be, you know? I spent three right. three months there um, in the restaurant, and at the end of the day, at the end of the, those three months internship, they asked, they, you know, they was like, "You do you want a job?" Because they were opening another restaurant, and I was mm -hmm. like, "I would love to, but I'm going back to New York." You know, I was actually coming back here. So, I mean, he was the door for that. He was the door for me meeting a lot of people that was like they were like big in Venezuelan cooking. So then I just came to New York with with that with with the you know the the goal, if you would say, of like making Venezuelan food more known, 
Right, right. And then you did that with obviously the um, the restaurant Casa Ora in Brooklyn. Actually, the first opportunity I had, so me and my ex-wife, we started a Venezuelan brunch project mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Brunch Gozon, uh, that we did it over three or four summers in Brooklyn. Uh, so we, we just like uh, found this space called TBA in Brooklyn. And she, well, my ex-wife, she's a musician, she's a DJ, she's a graphic designer. So she took care of all the image of the project. She and then we did kind of like a like a day party. She would like hire DJs, which is golden in New York. That's like perfection. It was like six or seven DJ lineup. It was crazy. It was a lot of people. And I would like set up a stand outside. It was on the street. We set up a tent. I, we rented a, a, like a plancha. Uh, we had like three electric fryers, and then we did like straight up like Venezuelan street food. So wow, we had everything except arepas because we thought that arepas was something that people already kind of knew, and we wanted to introduce people uh, to like new Venezuelan like traditional street like you know items. So we had cachapas, we had empanadas, we had tequeños. Uh, I had a huelva la vida, which is kind of like a shrimp cocktail, and then we had Ooh, little like yeah. platters, you know, with like pernil or like cazón and all that. So like. Your transition of coming from Venezuela, coming to New York, and like just being like thrown into all of these projects and all these amazing things, like what it was, and maybe this still is a question for you now, but like, what is your goal like with food? Like, what are you, what is your message that you are bringing? You know, there's a lot of chefs out there, and you sound like you're very passionate about uh, Venezuelan food, even though you've had all these amazing experiences, like. What is one of the things that you want to tell, like your story with, with your food? I mean, that question is interesting because it has shifted a lot. It shifts probably every day, you know, like it depends on what I'm doing at the moment. I work at Cosme, which is a Mexican restaurant in the city for three years. I was a sous chef there. So that gave Mm -hmm. me, that gave me a very, very deep, like understanding of Mexican food too. Uh, mm. I love Peruvian food too. I mean, we can. I, th- I guess we can talk about Latin food in general more than Venezuelan. Yeah. Right now, I mean, honestly, I I do believe that Venezuelan cuisine is very extensive. But I do believe that after I did the project with Casa Ora, which uh, they opened, I think they opened September 2019. Yeah. I did the whole menu for them. You know, I basically did the whole consultation of the kitchen, designed the kitchen, trained the staff, hired the staff. You know, left them with the recipe book and all that. I think I did, I think I reached my peak for now with Venezuelan <laughs> food, you know? Mm. I, right, right now, at this point in my career, I don't want to have anything to do with Venezuelan food, basically. Interesting, really. I'm a little, like, overwhelmed by it. Also, me and my ex-wife, we came up with this project called Venezuelan Pantone, which uh-huh. actually saved our asses during the pandemic. We basically started doing, I started doing, like, traditional stews and, and hmm. roasts like pernil, car- carne mechada, uh, cazón, yeah. pollo mechado. And I vacuum seal pack them by the pound and we deliver to people. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did the pandemic affect your affect your vision for everything? Especially, I mean, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I'm an artist as well. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a performer. I'm an actress. So I completely understand like the shift of everything. So we're So I'm just curious, like right now, today, and maybe the answer is different tomorrow or when this episode is aired. But 
right now today? Like, what is your passion right now with cuisine, with food? Uh, well, I have a project right now with a friend of mine, very good friend of mine. He was a chef at a, a restaurant called Blanca in Brooklyn. He was two Michelin star. Uh, we have a pop-up uh, we're doing on the weekends called Meson Son, uh, where we do like an eight, eight course tasting menu with one pairing uh, for like 30 people every night. Mm. Uh, and we have blended our, our cuisines a lot. Uh, you know, I bring a lot of like Latin background uh, and he brings a lot of like, you know, good like technique to cook the proteins. And like he's got a good like Italian background as well. Uh, but we're really focusing on 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 uh, seasonality, hyper seasonality, working with like we can find at the farmer's market. We go like twice, yeah. twice a week because that's another thing when you try to do a cuisine that's not regional, that's not from where you are right now. You get stuck with the ingredients, you know. Right. And uh, like, for example, for me, until like two years ago, it was so tough to find a dulce, which is an essential ingredient <laughs> of the Venezuelan no, I, cuisine. I, I mean, even when I'm cooking any like anything ethnically diverse, <laughs> um, it's difficult. So, I, yeah, I'm like, how do you even go about that? <laughs> it is hard. And, and you, I mean, maybe not people that haven't tried it before, but, it, but if you are from Venezuela, you need a dulce in your sofrito. You know, yeah, and if, right. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have it, it doesn't taste the same. So exactly, I came to like a you know kind of like a dilemma there. Like, should I keep like pushing for this with what I have and try to make mm-hmm. it happen, or should I just shift a little bit and have you know make some other kind of cuisine where there's like big inf- Latin influence, you know, mm-hmm. like Mexican, Peruvian, Venezuelan too, but make it with the best the best product available. The best possible, the, right, the right. best product that you can find at the moment in the place you're at. I think that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, okay. You know, we've been doing it. We do this project since the summer, so the menu has shifted 100%. We have like Mexican sauces, and we have ceviche uh, in the menu. But ceviche, we make it with, for example, instead of like lime juice or like ahi or whatever, we make it with conquer grapes, which they're available at the market. You know, now we're making yeah. it, we're making it with carrots right now. And like orange. Okay. Changing things like seasonally and, and obviously adjusting to everything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, um, cause I know, I know quite a few chefs, uh, or people aspiring to be, <laughs> um, I mean, you came to America, not, you know, I mean, you said you came in 2012, I believe to Brooklyn, to Rockaway. And I mean, you've done a lot. How does, <laughs> and I mean, you know, you work for some top restaurants. I mean, I know people who are still struggling to, after 10 years to like still even become a sous chef. So yeah, I'm curious, like, do you think that how, in your journey, how have you been able to do so much? Uh, I don't, I don't even know. It's, I feel, I feel so miserable sometimes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's like, this life you know it is what it is it bees like that sometimes it is exhausting and it is i mean uh after i was i went I, when i got into cosme which was my first like big restaurant in new york there were i was in the opening team they were just opening so i think first of all i think i was lucky to find that such a talented team mm-hmm. in that space that Nobody knew what they were doing, you know. We were all, like, on the same boat, like, figuring it out. Uh, the chef of that place is Enrique Olvera, which is, like, a very famous Mexican chef. He's got a ton of restaurants in Mexico, but that was his first restaurant in the United States. How did that feel for you, like, being there? That's crazy. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. 
I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tuda Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor... Stay from is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. It felt very special. I still have like, you know, best friends that I work with very often from that team. But yeah, I think I was very lucky about that. And then I was um, honestly, and it's, it, it was exhausting, but I think it was worth it. I was always doing something else other than just doing that. I was always like, for example, when I, when I work at Cosmo, I was doing the brunch goes on on the weekends on my day off. Mm. I had one day off. I did this project and then back to the restaurant. They were lo- they, I was lucky enough for them to let me like do the prep there and they were very supportive. I was going to say that's pretty, really lucky because usually that life is very much you're in the kitchen all the time and there's a lot of, yeah. they need you all the time. So it was very, very consuming, but it was, I think it was worth it. And I built like a, you know, like a, a, a big client list now because of that. Because they know me from there now, for example, like, like now I have like probably like 50 emails that I haven't responded from people asking me if I'm going to make ajacas this Christmas. Do you know wow. what ajacas are? No, tell me more. I don't know if you have it in Dominican Republic, but it's like an envuelto, how they call it in Colombia, or a, tam- or a tamal. So it's a, type of, it's a type of tamal that we make specifically for Christmas. Uh, so it's this like stew of like uh, usually like chicken or hen and pork. Very like sour and sweet, a lot of ingredients. Like you have like piloncillo in there, raisins, capers, mustard, all that. And then you feel a, like a, a corn dough that you mix with a onoto oil for the color. And then you wrap it in a plantain leaf and then you steam it. Well, you have to add me to the list, Luis. So that's the thing. I don't think I don't think I'm doing them this year. I don't think I'm doing oh, them. Okay. Bueno, I need I need I need a special order ASAP. Okay, señor. 
okay, so my first question is going to be, my first thing I want to get to is, because it's been on my mind and I, I forgot to mention it earlier, but what did your parents say <laughs> when, when you wanted to be a chef? They were very supportive, honestly. I was surprised. Oh, they were? Well, they're foodies. Yeah, that was a, a part of the question you were asking me about like, how did I you know, get to this point? How, how have I done so much? I, al- I also feel like, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to throw shit on, on, on college, but it actually helped me like having a degree and having some kind of discipline background Mm. on how to approach a job or how to approach, you know, and I was good at math, you know, you need, you need all that to be a chef. I was going to say you, you have to have some kind of, and that's something that people I think forget about works of art. I mean, I consider you an artist. Um, you're a chef. I, I consider that's an art. That's an artist to me. Um, you create with yeah. these amazing things that is naturally given to us. Um, and I think that people forget that it's not just about being an artist. So, so having those skills that you, that you're mentioning, very helpful. And that I'm sure super helpful. that's a reason why it pushed you forward to where you are now. So I'm thankful for that. But yeah, my parents were very supportive. Uh, they actually helped me to pay for culinary school when I decided to do it. Cause I was like, no, didn't work for a whole year, basically. Unless I was here in New York, I made some money here, came back, paid for school too. And they, yeah, they love food. They actually, they really, really love food. Do they love your food? They, they do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Good. They live in Spain. They live in Spain now. They, they live in Salamanca. They retired there. Uh, I was there last time in June or July this year. Um, after two years. Uh, and we always like cook together, you know. My mom is always asking me for recipes. I actually, I, I'm always asking her for recipes about like, you know, all the desserts <laughs> and all, all the things that I want to make again to bring me back, you know, all those flavors that I remember. So yeah, they're pretty, I think they're pretty, pretty proud, I would say. That's always helpful when you have some support for the family. Definitely, definitely. I'm thankful for that. So for you, um, I'm just, I'm curious about this on, on your end because I think it affected the industry so hard, but what was the pandemic? I know we're still in the pandemic technically, but what happened for you during that moment? Uh, when when everything started, I was still at Casa Ora. I was actually working on the spring menu mm. and that hit, you know, they never closed. They never closed. They stayed like doing takeout and all that, but obviously right. they, they couldn't afford for me to like go in and keep doing things so you know it wasn't like a time for that so i remember i didn't work for a few months until like this like pantone thing that we've been doing for like a few probably a couple of years prior but it started picking up because everybody was like okay we can go out we have no food. exactly we don't know how to yeah. cook uh you know people people sometimes didn't even want to go to a grocery store that was like you know <laughs> everybody was like very like yeah so scared like you i remember you had to like you remember when you had to like wear gloves everywhere and you had to like like yes. you have to like spray all the your Lysol. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to spray <laughs> all your packages with Lysol and like leave them for twenty four hours. <laughs> yes, all those crazy videos. So that picked up a lot, and that uh, that kept me busy for most of that spring. And then in the so- last summer, still pandemic, uh, me and my friend Connor, which we're working together, we're still working together. We got offered this project in Brooklyn called Outer Space. It was in Bushwick, which was a venue space 
huge space that you know nobody was renting and the owners were like were like they, okay let's open a restaurant then uh and they had a huge outdoor space the whole restaurant it was like you know very covid safe at the time mm-hmm. it was strictly outdoor the kitchen was outdoors and we opened it was like a pizza restaurant we had a wood fire oven uh and that's when we started with this like seasonality thing because we we didn't have gas we only had a wood fire oven and like a little japanese grill and we started wow. we started doing like grilled veggies with different sauces pizza uh you know disposable plates and all that it was very simple very easy and we yeah. it, it got so busy it was crazy because there wasn't there was nothing going around you know we opened, yeah. we opened in july we were doing like 400 covers a night you know wow it was super fucking it was super crazy and we we, we went all the way we went all the way till uh we, we were planning on closing on halloween day and we went all the mm-hmm. way i think like till like around this time of the year last year uh, wow. when it started getting cold you know last year like cases started rising yeah. and all that they didn't management didn't do a great job with like you know hurrying up and putting up the heaters and setting up the tents and all that uh so yeah. so yeah. the restaurant just died basically on its own hmm. it was it was like it was interesting because it you could feel like it was meant to be what it was during the summer and then mm. it just organically fed away it just like it's it served its purpose exactly yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And we closed. And then I did the Ajakas last year, which yes. I, I, I did like seven, 800 of them. And it was so much work. You're like, next. You're like, next project. <laughs> no Ajakas this year. <laughs> so um, what's your, what are you revving up for? What's your, uh, what's on the horizon for you now, especially, I know we're entering a new, a new era of the pandemic. We're entering a new trying to figure out what this new normal is i don't know what's, what i don't is, know what's um... going to happen honestly i don't i don't want to like you know get i don't want to restaurant people to be mad at me and maybe i say this because i don't have a restaurant but i'm so sick of the outdoor things like settings really you're sick of it i like i think it's making the city so like making the city so dirty so like hard to like walk so hard to drive yeah so, you know you can't park anywhere now. You can park anywhere. I feel like I mean I get it. It was it was nice at the beginning, but this city is not it's not built for that. This is not Europe. It cha- <laughs> it's not. It changes the vibe. It's definitely not. And, and when it's cold, it doesn't make sense. I don't want to sit outside, even though you have heaters and all that. I don't want to sit in one of those things. And I know. I mean, I, I have re- friends that have restaurants, and they obviously they're getting more volume and they're getting more income that way. But they're struggling to find staff to like meet that demand you know like even like it's so hard to find staff right now for restaurants people haven't really gotten back to work uh because it wasn't like a sustainable industry honestly at those rates i mean the money is is a struggle for for a lot of people in the restaurant i mean i used to work in i used to be a server i used to work in a lot of restaurants i get it you know how it is it's a struggle and then after pandemic i can't imagine i can't even imagine so what what do you what do you see for that's my point like coming like speaking about that i don't really think i want to have a restaurant right now yeah it's fair i don't think it's time for restaurants i would love to at some point i guess that's every chef's dream you know to have your own Mm -hmm. restaurant and do whatever you want but Right now, there's there's this new opening, you know, like up and coming chefs like me or or like people who maybe had a restaurant and they had to close off mm. of this whole like private. I wouldn't say like private chefing, but like private dining experiences, you know, mm. uh, mm-hmm. like the one we're doing. Like we're working with this Venezuelan guy. He's he started the project by himself in his house. I, I would say I think he started like September last year. He like apparently learned how to cook Chinese food on YouTube and he started like cooking like himself. That. 
and he was just cooking for like strangers in his house, you know, and people started coming. Uh, yeah. Then I think he uh, left that space that was in Bedstuy, and he started renting a space in Soho, which is where we are now. Um, mm-hmm. And he started hiring different chefs, you know, people that were like not doing anything or people who were uh, in need of more income because they don't get enough money in restaurants, you know, like, right. like most people, right. like it happens to most people. So he started hiring different chefs, doing different like pop-ups with them. I think it was like one or two chefs every weekend until he landed. For some reason, he found us, me and Connor, and we kind of like hit it off and we like stayed as like basically ran out permanent chefs, uh, like executive right. chefs of, of the space. Funny enough, last Saturday we had a, one of the guests was a chef uh, I think he was coming from Gram- wow. Gramercy Tavern. Uh, like he was in different restaurants, and he's doing that in his house. Also, he's doing a similar project in his house. You know, so I think wow. I think people are looking like likes food and likes to go out to restaurants, looking for that kind of experience. They're looking for something different. Something yeah, because like as you said, we don't want to go outside and sit on the sidewalk or sit exactly. in the middle of the street next to garbage piles. So even like what you're saying, I'm like, I'm about to email you and when's the next slot available? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> to come out. I would love to have you. That, that would be great. So I'm curious because like I know that you started off, we started off with Venezuela and the and the culture of that food being very um inspirational for you yeah. and something that you wanted to lean into. And honestly, that's a it's a rep I mean the representation of that food is lacking, you know, here in that kind of sense, I think, in the States. Yeah. So it's like now is there a certain different kind of cuisine that you're interested in more or that you're shifting in towards more? The kind of food we're doing at, at this place right now, I would say is I think I'm always gonna I'm I'm always gonna put Latin food on top, no matter what. Right. You know, you have your your French techniques and you can use some of them, and you have your local products and you use them, and you can do like also Japanese products with like you know people love and you know they're actually so good and Asian food in general like Southeast Asian like Thai food I love that too. Uh, but for me like. Latin food is always going to have priority. So the menu we're, we're doing right now is pretty, it's pretty eclectic. Uh, but I would say it's like at least fifty percent Latin in terms yeah. of like, like we're doing moles, for example. We have a dish that we like change mole and we do different things uh, with mole. We have a ceviche that's always on the menu as well. We use like now we can find a dulce at the market, so we're using a dulce for different seasonings and all that. Um, so there's always going to be there. I think. I mean, I think it's time for not be so purist about you do yeah expand expand on that a little bit i think i mean i think people like i think the whole like perspective of creativity and in all fields i would say uh of create the whole like perspective of creativity and rules like change with this pandemic there's no i feel like there's no rules anymore I yeah. feel like there's no like parameters or like you don't have to like stick to certain, you know, uh, of what somebody's expecting of you or like, oh, he's Venezuelan, like he's got to do Venezuelan food or like, right. oh, this guy uh, is like, why is this gringo doing Mexican food? You know, <laughs> like who, who is, if it's good, who, who cares? You know, right. Right. Um, you know, like I did Venezuelan food and I love it and I'm probably going to do it again at some point. But right now, like, I feel like it's time to like be more playful and mm. just like experiment. And I and, love that. Yeah. I, I, we, I, I, me and Connor, we're on the same page on this. It's like, let's just do whatever the fuck we want. I mean, we're, we're in a place of such unknown such scenarios that we don't know what the future looks like. Why not 
I love what you're saying, like the be playful, but like, it's almost like you're actually rewriting the future, which is like incredible. Honestly, I, f- I feel like, like generally, globally, there's nothing to lose right now. Like what's the worst that can happen? Like, I don't think it's going to get worse than it got last year, you know, like everybody was like, it was. Espérate, vamos a ver, vamos a ver, knock on wood. But, uh, but I mean, what for us, like, we're like, just like betting on doing whatever we want. And if, if I mean, so far it's like people's been like very, the, the feedback of the guests has been very, very good. The people like in general lines, they say like, okay, this food is something that I just have never tried before. Like I can't even like associate it with anything. Cause it's like, so where you put grapes in a ceviche. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. But I love that you're rewriting the norm. You're rewriting something that people have something to look forward to and something fresh and new. And I think that's what happens when, when a country goes through something, right? Like as the, such the pandemic and I mean, America in general, you know how they are. Anyways, I think that you're telling a beautiful story as in like a renewal with everything that you're yeah. doing with your food. And and it's, uh, I can't wait to like try it one day. Yeah, I'll send you, <laughs> I'm going to send you the info. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody else needs to check it out. And, and this is what the future is, the future of storytelling through your food and, and your passion. Exactly. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Luis, here at Morenita, we do a special special moment uh, with all of our guests, and I want to invite you yeah. to join us on that. Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you. My question shoot. is, <laughs> shoot, <laughs> what for you describes or defines home and feels like home for you? What are the things that remind you of home, that make you think of home? Okay, that's a good question. I would say that family family is very important and i'm very thankful to have a very like close you know friends that are from the same place that i am and i I don't think i could do it without that crew you know yeah yeah so your original circle of people yeah so the reason i came to new york is because of my best friend from high school uh moved here and he's he's the one that actually got me the job at rockaway and then so it's like a entanglement of family that makes everything kind of like worth it. Like I get right now, I don't know, probably happens to you, but I, I never like really had been conscious about it, but you know, you get that seasonal depression when like stuff gets called. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. And you get like, what the fuck is going on? Why do I, you know, feel this way? And like when you, like we had, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but we had a little like gathering of like all of our friends. A Friendsgiving, we call that a Friendsgiving. We had a Friendsgiving, exactly. <laughs> and it was a beautiful thing, you know, and it makes you, put things in perspective you know i don't really miss home because like because home is the people Mm, i love that last time i was in venezuela was january 2019 Mm -hmm. it was like the worst experience i I said like i just i don't want to come back here in a long time because you go there but it's empty like everybody just left it's a different place so it's not home anymore so I mean, that's I think that's it. Home is where like you know your people is where your where people are. One hundred percent. I love that. Honestly, I think that's my my favorite answer so far. Home is where the people are. Luis, thank you so much for um for being here with us. Thank you for being on Morenita. Thank you for sharing your story and being vulnerable yeah. and sharing your experiences. Um, I really appreciate you, and I cannot wait to try your food. I'm really excited. Can't wait for you to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll send you guys the info. You should all come. And Luis, if we want to follow your journey and follow you more, is there anywhere on social media or anything that you might want to share with the listeners? Instagram is Luis Guayaba, uh, L-U-I-S-G-U-A-Y-A-B-A. 
I don't, I'm very, I'm not very active right now because I'm having like a love hate relationship with the social media. Same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always, you always. Know, but um, I gotta get, you know, it's, it's something that whether you like it or not, you need to do for work. You know, you need to like, I know. promote it's yourself. That business part of you right there. That's that business part right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that. That's <laughs> I hate it. I hate it though. No, but it's necessary. Luis, yeah. thank you so much. And I cannot wait for us to follow your journey and see the amazing things that you create and the whole future that you create with the industry of food. I can't wait. Thank you thank so much you, for Luis. having me. Yeah, my pleasure. That was so much fun. Luis marches to the beat of his own drum. He started off as an engineer and then after a shitty job, decided to become a chef. And now he works in New York City as a top chef. He's using his Latin roots to create a whole new way forward for cuisine in the city. And I, for one, am ready to go on the journey with him. Ahora, vamos a comer. Moranita is a production of Sonoro in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar20enespañol.com. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.